Have you ever thought about why we get together to worship? Certainly, the God of the universe could accept our worship at home or by ourselves, and as a matter of fact, He does. Many of us that are listening to this have private time with the Lord. But we gather together, we sing, we pray, we study the Word of God, we, we listen to the same guy speak just about every week, and we do it all together, and we enjoy it. Why? Because God is worthy of our worship. That's why. My name is Trey Rhodes, and I'm the Connections Pastor here at Northwood Baptist Church, and it's great to have you along as we study the Word of God together. This is our audio study guide, uh, and what we do is we take the sermon from the last, last week, and we uh, review it first, and we go and we ask discussion questions that help us all think it through in our Life Connection groups, or you can do it on your own. If you would like to use it for your small group, even if you're not a part of Northwood, you're welcome to be a part, Okay. Well, we uh, talk often about what worship is, and of course the, there's a beautiful song that many of us sing, How Great Thou Art, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. That's saying to God, He is worthy of our worship. So we have this book of Psalms that is 150 chapters, and out of that, many of the psalms are about worship. We're studying Psalm chapter 95 today, and we have in the book of Psalms this call to worship over and over again. So Psalm 95 gives us three reasons why we gather to worship. First is this, God is worthy of our celebration. Psalm 95 is a reminder of what, that what we do together engages the whole person and drives our beliefs down into who we are deep down inside. Corporate worship, God designed for us to all be together and for us to all worship together and to enjoy that time of worship together. And what is worship? Worship is, Pastor Tommy described it this way, ascribing ultimate value to God by giving Him your whole mind, heart, and will. So when we worship together, we're saying to God, we know who you are, we know what you've done, and we're giving you our all. That's why it says in Psalm 95, let us sing, or uh, one translation says shout joyfully. Uh, we do it together. Corporate worship is, is not something that you're supposed to come and look at. It's supposed to be where you come participate. You, you might sing, you might pray, you might raise your hands, uh, you might respond to God and what He's doing in your life by walking forward or coming to the altar. All those things are things we do together. We worship God to celebrate who He is and what He's done. Exodus, uh, going back to Exodus 17, we find out that He is the rock of our salvation. Uh, the people had seen salvation from a rock. So, and, and of course, that rock is Jesus. We celebrate with thankful hearts. Look at what God has done in our lives. We celebrate because we belong to Him. This passage points to how great our God is. If you look at, at verse 7 of this passage, it'll tell you uh, how great God is. So whatever you need to do to, to make sure that you are worshiping God and letting Him know that He is worthy of your worship, then do it. Don't stop. Don't hesitate. It's important that you follow the Lord in worship as He would have you worship. So what do we do? when we worship, what happens? Well, we engage our hearts. It's, it's about our hearts. We want to make sure that our heart is there. We're, you know, the old saying, well, his heart just wasn't in it. Well, that's what we're talking about. It's, it's your whole being. It's who you are. 
Uh, now listen to some of these words uh, that, that are used. It talks about a, make a joyful noise, and it does that twice. Um, then it talks about bow down. It talks about kneeling. Um, but even though our faith is not based on our emotions, like, oh, I just didn't feel it today, our faith stirs our emotions. And because of that, uh, God gave us this incredible gift of music that is more worthy of our emotions because God is worthy of our emotions. And, and so we use this music to really experience the presence of God. Think about it. Do you think Jesus is more worthy of, of your emotions than your favorite football team? Okay. Our hearts need to be stirred by God, not emotionalism. But we want our emotions to be set on who God is. So we engage our hearts. We also engage our minds when we worship. It's good to engage emotions, but worship engages more than emotions. It engages the intellect. It's, it's singing. It's reinforcing biblical truth. Memorized theology is what songwriting is all about. And by the way, it's very important that you as the people of God understand that you need to be those kind of people that understand the Word of God as you sing it. That's why it matters what we sing. Uh, the hymns are famous for all that's in them to help us understand what God is saying. And uh, many of our, our most ancient hymns do that. Our modern hymns do that. And even our praise and worship does that. So we engage our minds. And, of course, one of the things we need to always engage is the understanding that he died for me and his blood has washed away my sins. Uh, here's our three challenges. So when you come, bring your brain to worship. Don't leave it outside the door. Don't think you don't need it. Uh, listen, we talked several weeks ago about listening actively versus listening passively. Listen to what God's saying to you and respond accordingly. You made the commitment to be here. Why not make the most of the time? You know, when you, know, when you um, take your, your notes, take good notes, write, write down, fill in the blanks, add a couple of things that Pastor Tommy says at the bottom. It's great to be able to study the Word of God right there as Pastor Tommy's preaching. That's, that's what our brain's for. Get in your seat early, all right? Then bring your heart to worship. When you sing, thank God. Rejoice. Let your posture demonstrate what you're engaged in as you express your devotion to God through your worship. Expect God to be at work. And then bring your mouth to worship. So use your mouth to worship. Sing. And, and it is a good thing that it says that it's to make a joyful noise. Not everybody can hold hold perfect pitch, but we can sing to the Lord. Uh, you know, think about it. Um, you're testifying to everyone in the room, this is what I believe. You know, it, it's us saying, it's an encouraging word. It's us saying, you know, God, I'm glad you're here. Or it's, it's in your Life Connection group, it's saying, how can I pray for you? Your words reflect what you believe about God and His ability to transform lives. And it can have a profound effect. Um, all right, number one. God is worthy of our celebration. But that's not all. God is also worthy of our surrender. So not only do we celebrate God, we surrender to God. The Bible says that let us worship and bow down. Verse 6. Let's kneel before the Lord our Maker. The Bible's full of stories of people bowing to God. Moses at the burning bush, Joshua when he met the commander of the Lord's army, Isaiah when he saw God high and lifted up, Peter when Jesus was in the boat and he told him to put the net in, 
and uh, he did that and fell at his knees. John fell on his knees in Revelation. In the Bible, people bow when they were keenly aware of God's presence. This is, a, this is really a, a sacred moment that we come together to worship the King of Kings and we're really aware that he is present among his people. Now, we don't believe in a God who's dead or far away. We believe in a God who is alive. We believe in a God who is near. We believe that this God, we as his children, can experience him. So, make sure that you understand this idea of surrendering to God. So, it, kneeling is a posture of worship, bowing down in, in humble surrender. We're here to honor God. We're here, God. Obey God. That's it. The passage is a call to engage God with our heart, our mind, and our will. Now, the goal of worship is not to enjoy the service, although, you know, it's, good to, it's fun to enjoy a service. That's not the goal. Worship is not man-centered. It's God-centered. Now, we have technology. We have at Northwood great musicians. But we really don't need these things because the goal is not for you to enjoy it, but for you to encounter God. What we need for an encounter with God is God's Word. We need the Spirit to work in us. And we need God to have worshipers that are listening and allowing their heart to be soft so they can hear from God. The goal of our worship is not to evaluate the service. You know, you don't walk out and say, oh, well, a preacher, that preacher was on point, or the other way. I, I think that preacher, you know, is, is full of baloney. Uh, you know, it's not, well, I just didn't feel the presence of God. My kids weren't ministered to. All those things are people, things that people say. So remember that the goal of worship is not for you to be satisfied. It's for God to be satisfied with you. So uh, the goal of worship is not uh, to, to evaluate the service. But God is present when he is in worship where two or more gathered, and he's there to enjoy us. What we do is we go and we gather to bring pleasure to God, not to please ourselves. God is present to evaluate us. So that's why God's here, to enjoy us and to evaluate us. So what's he doing? He's looking in my heart. And he's saying, is that what Trey's like? Well, then I need to help him. And God is showing me areas that I need to surrender to him. And God is also present to call us to obey. And we, it's not just about being present in the room, but obedience to his voice saying, Lord, I'm here. I'll do my part. We don't want to just, you know, uh, check in. We want to say, Lord, I obey you. I want to do my part. So have you come to bow down and lay your life before him? So number one, we talked about God is worthy of our celebration. God is also worthy of our surrender. And finally, God is worthy of every moment. When you, we listen to God, it's more important that you, th than just singing to God. So that what happens is this passage now, we have this idea of worshiping and bowing down, and then it has a shift. Um, he says, from, from this work, worship to an abrupt warning, he says, remember your past, how Israel hardened their hearts in the past. Don't do it again. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as they did at Meribah, verse 8. Um, so that's what was going on. Don't do that again. Now, again, get back to Exodus 17. We find that people complained because they had no water. Now, all the people wanted was rest. They were wandering in the wilderness. They had no place to call home, and they were searching for water. And so what do they do? They complained. Instead of thinking about all that God had done and given them, they focused on what seemed to be what God was not giving them. 
Moses, <laughs> Moses said, Lord, what should I do for these people? So he got so angry that he struck the water, the rock, and water came out. Now, the place named Massah Mirabah is a reminder they're complaining about the, what uh, they didn't have instead of trusting God for his provisions. In Numbers 20, we have a similar incident. And really, history repeats itself. And this time, Moses wasn't supposed to strike the rock. He was supposed to speak to it. Yet, what did he do? He, in frustration, he struck it. So instead of fusing, uh, choosing to bow down, we will complain about what God is doing in our lives when we don't get our way. Or in our frustration, we choose to ignore what God has told us to do. Now, Israel wanted rest, but it didn't seem like God was giving them rest. So what do they do? They complain. They didn't worship, and they, didn't, well, they weren't able to enter into God's rest. We know that entire generation was not able to go into the promised land. So the psalmist didn't want us to repeat the mistake. He's saying, hey, listen, don't complain. Give God what you have right now. Worship Him right now. Even if you think that life isn't giving you what you want. Worship is intended for the purpose of softening your heart. This heart that we have this, that is deceitfully wicked and who can understand, your heart is prone to hardness. We don't want to believe God. We want to complain. We want to gripe. We want to moan and groan. And worship reminds us that God can be trusted. And in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, it actually quotes Psalm 95, verses 7 through 11. And then it says, But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That's what happens. Our hearts get hardened when we allow sin to creep into our hearts. So God is um, worth. So because of that, God is worth giving him this moment today. Listen, don't put it off. God is also worth you giving him every moment. What starts here is not just this moment, but every moment. It's a continuous thing. So what you need to encourage your Life Connection group with is that when we gather together and we humble before him, we say yes to his will, then we are able to encourage each other daily to worship. We are able to encourage each other daily to bow down before God. What about a text to somebody in your Life Connection group and encouraging people in their walk with the Lord? Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Hebrews 4 says, Hebrews missed rest, but you, for you, promise of, uh, there's a promise of entering rest still stands. The Hebrews missed it, but you don't have to. The king of the universe offers you rest. So let that truth soften your heart. It's great God gives you an invitation to find rest and peace in, the, in that relationship with Jesus. If there's somebody in your life connection group that does not know Jesus is the Savior and Lord of their life, may today be the day when they surrender to him and come to him and say, Lord, I want to experience your rest through finding salvation in Christ, in Christ alone. But believer, let me ask you, are you a complainer? Are you a worshiper? Are you an evaluator? Or are you being evaluated? Are you going through religious motions or are you passionately devoted? This morning, the invitation is to be devoted, a passionate worshiper. That's what you need to encourage your life connector group with. All right, let's talk about uh, Psalm chapter 95 and worthy of worship and uh, ask some of these questions. Um, now, uh, the, the first question says, why is corporate worship so important? If you attend worship regularly, why do you choose to attend regularly? So, you know, just let them kind of share a little bit about that. Um, I like number two because I think this is always some kind of, it's never intended to be some kind of a sticking point, and yet it is when people say, oh, you don't need music to worship. But 
let's ask the question, why do we sing so much in corporate worship when we're together? Why is singing in worship important? Remember we talked about emotions and things, but anyway, let them talk a little bit about that and what their lives are. If you need to use the other two questions, feel free. All right, Psalm 95, 1 through 2, let's start. Uh, Come, let's shout joyfully to the Lord. Shout triumphantly, triumphantly to the rock of our salvation. Let's enter his presence with thanksgiving. Let's shout triumphantly. I'm having a hard time with that word. To him in song. Now, why does the psalmist call us to sing or shout joyfully to the Lord? Why, why, okay, so why would, the, why would he do that? Well, I think it's obvious. He wants us to have this, this desire to, to do this together, to worship together, to, to give God the, the worth that he deserves, giving him that value. And for us to be able to experience that worship together and the enjoyment and the power of it. And uh, that's what it's about. Okay, um, why should Christians want to sing? Well, sing, what we talk about, it touches our emotions. And although we're not, we are not uh, driven by our emotions, we can be touched by our emotions, and music tends to bring that out of us. So that's part of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, is, is to be able to do that, our soul. What's the purpose of music and worship? We talked about that. Uh, how does worship engage both the mind and the heart? So not only is it about the emotions, but also we want to sing the truth. And the music that we sing, we can use to help us understand the truths of the Word of God. It gives us memory points, right? We're able to, it's so much easier to memorize when we put it to music. So it's not just the emotion, it's also the heart. It's not just the emotion, it's also the mind. So why is it important for both the heart and the mind to be engaged? When, when those two things are engaged together, then it is a powerful way for us to deal with the Lord and do His work, right? So that's why Pastor Tommy talked about bringing our brains to worship, right? So we come to worship, we listen actively, we hear the Word of God, we respond to what God wants us to do, and when we do all those things, it'll make us, it'll be, it'll be, the truth of the matter is we'll feel like this. It was good when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Number two, notice the plural pronoun in this passage. Why is it important to worship together? Well, I think worshiping together gives us strength. Worshiping together gives us encouragement. Worshiping together helps us experience the power of God. Worshiping together helps us engage in the word of God helps us engage together. It helps us be accountable to one another. We, we, we worship together. We're accountable to one another. We grow in Christ together. Um, what other passages of Scripture can you think of that encourage us to worship together? Well, you might want to look up some of those before the class and maybe have two or three that somebody can read, maybe put them on strips of paper, have them read them uh, out loud. Um, but there are multiple passages of Scripture that talk about how uh, let us come together and worship our God. Um, so uh, get some of those passages. You can just run a quick search on Google, worshiping together, and it'll, it'll uh, come up real quickly. What patch of scripture can you think that help us understand why we should worship together? Well, I think uh, do the same thing, and I think that'll help you as well to, to do a little bit of a study and have an understanding. Maybe do the same sort of thing where you have strips of paper with the scriptures on them, hand them out, and have people read them. They're not going to have time at that point unless they went gone back and did this themselves uh, to, to look it up. Number three, why was the psalmist thankful? And by the way, sometimes they will have looked up and let them say some scriptures that they found too. 
All right, why was the psalmist thankful? Um, well, we go down to here. It talks about the greatness of God and uh, that we as his people are willing to look at him and, and notice that he is present with us. That's what it's about because of his presence with God. So ask the question, why are you thankful for your relationship with God? If this is about the presence of God, then how can you be thankful for this relationship? Why are you thankful? How, how do you do that? How do you best express thanksgiving? God, thank you for giving me a relationship with you. Thank you for Jesus that died on the cross, that I can have that relationship with you. Ongoing, real, authentic relationship with the God of the universe. All right. Um, let's see. The last question. How can you cultivate a thankful heart? Well, obviously, we, we are thankful when we're not griping and moaning and complaining. And when things happen, we go to our God and we bring these things to God and we get God's perspective rather than thinking that God's somehow out to get us or that, you know, <laughs> my wife will t tell me uh, will tell on me on this one. She can use it in Life Connection Group if she wants. But I always say, no good deed goes unpunished. And I know we feel that way sometimes, and I do. You feel like you do the right thing, and in the middle of that, you get a car, you, 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 your car gets a flat tire. You're helping somebody out, and you get a flat tire. Uh, you go to help somebody, and somebody yells and screams at you for trying to help. Uh, you know, it's just strange how that happens. But we can't focus on that. we got to focus on what God has called us to do. So we cultivate that thankful heart. All right, Psalm chapter 95, verses 3 through 5. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. The depths of the earth are in his hand, and the mountain peaks are his. The sea is his. He made it, and his hands formed the dry land. So God is great because he created everything that we can see. Everything we can see under our feet, the mountains up high, the ocean that we see, the land that we see, the deep caves of the earth and deeper are all created by God. That's a powerful God. It's a great God. Why is it important that we recognize God as king of our lives? Well, uh, we are going to bow down to him. He's the one that's made us. He is the one that cares for us as his sheep. He is the one that we give our lives and our hearts to in obedience to him. He's our king. If God is king above all things, what implications does that have for humanity? Do we need to bow our knee to the one who made it all? We need to bow our knee to the one who redeemed everyone that comes to him. We need to bow our knee to the one and say, Lord, I will, I surrender, I surrender all. Now, what implications does that have in your life? Well, that means we got a lot of obeying to do, don't we? We got a lot of obeying to do. We got to listen to the Word of God. We got to do the Word of God. We got to we got to say, God, you are worthy. I'm going to come to worship you. I'm going to come to enjoy you. I'm I'm going to come to to enjoy your presence and have that ongoing relationship with you. Why wouldn't you want to have that with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? All right, Psalm 95, 6 through 7. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, 
the sheep under his care today if you hear his voice. All right. Now, the psalmist calls us to kneel before God. Why does he do that? Well, because we bow down to him in, in reverence and in awe of who he is. It is a posture of our worship. It is a posture of humble surrender to God. It's, it's the way that we honor God. It's the way that we say, God, we, we hear you. We're obeying you. God, you're a great God. And not only that, you're a wonderful shepherd. Is he challenging us to kneel physically before God or is there something else going on here? Well, it's certainly the, the kneeling of the heart. We can kneel physically and not, have, not surrendered in our heart, right? And the other is just as true. You know, where we might not be able to kneel because of a situation, yet our heart is bent to him and say, God, I give you my heart. I surrender everything I have. Psalm 95, verse 7, we just read it again. It says, today if you hear his voice, um, and it talks about him being the great shepherd. And the shepherds always listen to the voice of God, don't they? Shepherd, excuse me, the sheep always listen to the voice of the shepherd. Um, why does the psalmist also want us to know that God is our shepherd? Because not only does he, not only, only does he, uh, we obey him, we also follow him. We want to, we willingly follow him. He doesn't hurt us. H-E-A-R-D, not hurt, H-U-R-T. Hurt us, he leads us, and we willingly follow. All right, Psalm 95, verses 8 through 10. Let's read those together. Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on that day in Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was disgusted with that generation. I said... These people, they are people whose hearts go astray. Uh, they do not know my ways. Um, all right, and also you might want to go back and read Exodus 17, the first seven ver verses of that. And then uh, it, it also mirrors Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 through 11. All right, so what's the psalmist communicating to us in these verses? Well, obviously, we have a tendency to want to mumble and grumble and complain, and gripe, and we, we're not focusing on God, we're focusing on our circumstances, and when we do that, what do we do? We turn, we, all that God has done good for us, we turn it into that one single thing that we think is wrong. Um, so those help us understand what God's about. So then uh, the last part of that question, how does this passage connect us to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, obviously, um, God is with us every moment of the day. God is always with us. And Jesus came and, and gave himself for us, that he is the one that is worthy. He is the one whose voice we hear. And so as a, as a follower, in G, as, a, as, a, as a, um, someone in your Life Connection group that doesn't know Jesus as Savior and Lord of their life, the whole goal is that they would get that rest and allow the truth of God to enter, that they would enter his rest and receive the promise of God. And the invitation is to have that peace in a relationship with Jesus Christ and make him the one who is worthy of your life and worthy of worship because he's the king. 
All right, let's apply the truth. Now, these are going to be more uh, focused on your people and how they can live it out. Uh, make sure that you get around to your whole class. And uh, remember to go around the room every now and again. You don't have to do it with every question, but when there's a question that really needs some thinking through, uh, just kind of say we're going to go around the room, get a, get, a, get a thought on this or a 1 to 10 on this or something like that. Or maybe you go out and give a list and list it out. Um, so anyway, let's go over. How can you do a better job of engaging your mind in worship when we gather on Sunday mornings? Well, uh, do you need to get there early? You need to take notes. You need to sing with your mouth. You need to use your mouth. All those things. Uh, anyway, kind of encourage them in that, but uh, let them know that it's about everyone worshiping and corporate. Uh, corporate, that means together. Everyone worshiping together, worshiping corporately. What can you do to prepare yourself to worship each Sunday? You know, don't don't come just saying, oh, you know, I've, I've heard the thing about just bless me, God. You know, uh, bless me and sitting down with your arms crossed. Uh, come in humble surrender. Be, be ready to receive from God. Let God do a work in your life. Um, all those things will help. How would it help you to take notes? Well, let them tell you. It's going to help them remember things. For one thing, everything when it passes through the lips and the fingertips, you remember better. Or how can you think more deeply about what's taking place when we gather as a body of believers? So how can we do that? All right, number two, how can you do a better job of engaging your heart when we gather for worship? Well, the heart is the emotions. You might want to sing. You're, you want to sing, right? You want to make sure that you're thanking God, you're rejoicing. Even, even the way you stand, you know, that God, I'm in devotion to you. Uh, this is not about me. It's not about my children. It's about my relationship with you. So all those things are heart that can show, uh, demonstrate what God's doing in your life. So while we don't want to promote emotionalism, God wants to engage with him in our emotions. What would it look like for you to engage your mind and heart in corporate worship? Would it be singing the words of the songs and really examining that? Would it be taking notes and writing some things down that God is speaking to you about? Would it be going forward at, 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 at the invitation time and going to the altar? Uh, challenge your Life Connection group with that. Number three, why is it important to encourage each other when we gather for worship? Well, we need each other. Um, <laughs> that's why we need our mouths at worship, because we need to encourage each other. We don't need to come together so that we can talk about talk down to each other. We need to encourage each other, build each other up, that, because even more so because we see the day approaching. Hebrews chapter 11. So why, why does it, So we need to encourage that. So ask them, how do they think they can do a better job of that? One way is to open their mouth, not just walk in and walk out, not say anything to anybody. You are responsible to, for your brother. Are you your brother's keeper? Are you your sister's keeper? The answer is yes. Number four, how can what you experience on Sunday mornings continue into the rest of your week? So this is not just one, a one-time shot. It's not just the sacredness of this moment. It's the sacredness of ongoing moments where now what you have learned, you're beginning to surrender to God and you're giving it to him all week long. Uh, it's not just about coming and enjoying this worship service together. It's about taking what God has told you and surrendering it on a daily, daily basis. So if that's the case, then what do you need to do to begin to live a life of worship more consistently? What is the one thing? We're gonna, you can use that at the end. If you want to use number four at the very end, you can do that. 
um, and kind of what is that one thing you need to do this week. All right, and then uh, how are you going to respond as a result of Psalm 95 and how are you going to pray as a result of Psalm 95? Well, guys, thank you so much. I appreciate you listening. I hope that this has helped you a little bit, at least keep your uh, your synapses firing a little bit on the Word of God and, and incorporating uh, this particular situation as our mind, incorporating our mind and, and speaking truth and uh, sharing the Word of God with the people that God has brought to your Life Connection group. If you have any questions, always call me. Uh, you can text me or uh, phone, um, email me, Trey at NorthwoodBaptist.com. Or just text me, 843-345-7418, and I'll be sure to help you as I am able. All right, guys, well, uh, have a great week. I look forward to seeing you Sunday. Let me pray for you, and we will uh, let you go. Father, thank you so much for the blessings of all good things. We thank you, Lord, that uh, when we come together, you are worthy of our worship. And Lord, may may not just that time when we get together be a wonderful time, but may that extend out through the rest of our week. And Lord, may we all say, Lord, this is the one thing I want to do. I want to be an encouragement to my brothers and sisters. Maybe I want to text somebody this week. Lord, whatever it is you're telling us to do this week, maybe maybe they need to go to the altar this week. Lord, whatever it is, Lord, may we begin the process of recognizing that in 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 our corporate worship together, you are worthy. In our life outside of this place, you are worthy. And may we worship you with all our hearts. And may we truly enter into your rest and find peace in you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday.